louder, prouder version is here. <laughs> the louder, prouder? The louder and prouder version is here. <laughs> Welcome back. Nobody needs Graco Funes. I'm loving your tan. We got Mo in the building instead. Who that? Who needs Mo that? Mo that. If you put together Nick and then my tan, you get a Graco. <laughs> If you combine Nick and I, you get one Graco. That is this so is cute. True. That is so cute. This is true. I don't know about all that loving. Who else do we have in the studio? Who's introducing who today? Mo, you want I th- to I'll introduce her. I think we just figured out how to pronounce her last name. Grace Goro Kaji. Kagi. Kagi. Dude, we went over like butchered 15 it. Times, <laughs> 10 times we went over it. And I, I still butchered it. I respond to Cage, which I think sounds a little bit cooler, but Kagi technically, yeah. Girl power in the room. Love it. It's kind of balanced. Because I'm not liking all this, like, Nick love that you've got going on on social media, Mo. I'm, like, a little jealous. <laughs> especially because so everybody's she... always talking about how awesome you're doing on Market Overdrive, how you're going to replace me, how I'm no. not coming no, back. No, he is not going to replace you. I've already opened my... Uh, He's going to replace I've offered Nick. my seat for me. <laughs> okay, listen, stop combing and scratching your hair. It looks very unprofessional. What are you doing? Start combing your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I did today. It looks great. Anyway, enough about me and you and your hair. Welcome. How are you? Good. I'm really glad to be here. This is awesome. I'm super excited about you two. You guys are killing it in the industry. You're doing a lot of fun stuff at YPN. What's going on with that? Yeah, we're having a lot of fun at YPN. So Mo is the chair. I'm vice chair. And we're planning a few new How'd you guys con that? (laughs) Well, they... uh... So you've been on the YPN before. They say, hey, you know, current chair or incoming chair, you get to pick your vice chair. And the rest of the board's going to be mad when they hear this. But... You know, they're like, pick your vice chair, and I picked who I thought was going to be an awesome fit, and she's she's amazing. I love it. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. What? Are you happy? Are you excited? Oh, scared? I'm so excited. I'm really excited because this year we're doing a, a new event that was kind of, Mo and I have been talking about for a while, this kickball event. It'll probably, what is it, June? Yeah, I think it's June 7th or June 27th. We're trying to figure out a date, and we're going to have, and you guys should come, lenders can do it, uh, real estate offices can do it, anybody who's a part of CAR can do it. We're going to have a kickball tournament. It's going to be an, a citywide kickball tournament. It's going to be for charity. Um, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be four or five hours long, and uh, I'm bringing literally the Robo Gym of Main Street Real Estate Group. The whole company cannot show up. I'm going to pick and choose the best of the best. Yeah, it's getting really competitive. Screwed. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so it sounds like you guys want us to work four hours of, of just sports or and and drinking. Okay, there's going to be yeah. some drinking All involved. Right. You you still really you had me at hello. Some beers, right? I know. Yeah. I'm not very sporty, but I am competitive, so I'll definitely try to be there if it works with my schedule. Okay, that'd be fun. Let's get on with our segment today. So today is a very kind of different uh, topic that we have because we're always saying bye, 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 right? But today we're going to structure it a little bit different for you. It's going to be more of like how to buy these properties that need work because everybody gets so psyched out about HETV, design to sell, or what is it, flip it or leave it or keep flip it. Flip or flop. Flip or flop. Um, but I love your topic. I love the idea that you wanted to come in here and share with our audience um, how to structure A, a loan for buying a property that needs work and B, when to stop over-improving and how to analyze that kind of purchase um, so that it becomes a healthy you know, purchase overall for the long term of your of your purchase. So, Mo, before we start with that, though, can you give us a quick bio on your guest today so that we know why she's here? Yeah, I mean, I'll let her kind of tell more of her story, but um, I know Grace and Julia are uh, partners in the Goro... Goro Brenner Group. Goro Brenner Group. Um, you're up with that properties. Yes. Um, and I'll let her take it from there. When did you get involved in real estate? So, 
it's hard for me to like pinpoint a date on it, right? Because it's been my family's been doing real estate for a really long time. My grandfather was a broker. Um, my dad was a managing broker of the Cobalt Banker office over in um, Lincoln Park, and before that, it was Kinnigan Stray. Um, so I like I specifically remember going on broker tours back when they used to take the buses around on Take Your Daughter to Work Day, um, and I got licensed at the same time as I graduated college. Um, started with Cola Banker. I was there for like six or seven years and then moved over to App Properties. And it's been really great. Awesome. A family of brokers. I think you, who else here was like a family of people in real estate? Well, Nick, your your mom's in real estate. 30 years, man. Yeah. I knew what a HUD was when I was like 13 years old, 12 years old. They had them back then? They weren't like typewritten? They, they actually had computers. Um, they weren't used a lot, but no, it was, uh, it's been a long time. That's for sure. So then you grow up listening to things like closings and I mean, you know, as a kid, you, just, you know, closing means bad. Denial means closing means good. Denial means bad. Under contract, all that stuff. Yeah. So 30 years they've been in business and I've been kind of just talking along with them. I was the opposite. I like dad was a doctor. I was supposed to be a doctor. And then one day I broke his heart and didn't become a doctor. Break so. his heart. Oh, I did. I mean, I, like you're a superstar now. Look at you. Yeah. Law firm. You're too kind. It was grandpa was a doctor, dad was a doctor. I'm Middle Eastern, what are you trying so to I say, should Mo? be a doctor. Why didn't you want to be a doctor? What happened? I got through three years of pre med, and I suck at science. I suck at math. <laughs> and really, like if you don't love medicine, like my dad loves it. Yeah. Um, it's a tough job. You four in the morning, your beeper goes off, and they still have beepers. You got to get up and go to the hospital. And I was like, eh, I don't love it as much as he does. So then I went to law school and one thing led to another. But I definitely know realtors in my family. But you're doing great in this industry. I mean, Thanks. again, with your law firm, and I still love Tim Simos. He is the best. If I text him right now, he'll respond. So kudos to that. You he have just a great got out of the dentist office. He got he got some filling, so he'll, he could, he but he's probably respond. drooling on himself right now. <laughs> Don't tell his secrets. He's always making himself available. But, you know, your your group as well. I mean, you're after today, you're going to, you say you're going to Brookfield too to show properties. I am. I'm going straight to Brookfield. I got to be in Brookfield at 715. I think Grace has got to be in Bucktown. Everybody's like. busy, busy, busy <laughs> selling real estate. So let's get on minutes. with our topic then so we can educate nowhere. and elevate our listeners IQ with respects to buying properties that need work. Today we're going to top. Uh, we're going to cover identifying after repair value. What does that mean to you and your budget? Uh, new construction trends. What to do to improve that property? Sometimes it may just be updating that kitchen or bathroom, and we'll tell you what not to do. Uh, we're also going to talk about the manageable repairs. What is a manageable repair? And also um, how to repair that property with a limited budget. Um, so do you want to start, Mo? I know you have a list of questions that you have for our guest today. Yeah, no, just kind of introducing the topic. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about how there's not a lot of inventory. And right now, when the inventory pops up and it's really nice, it typically flies off the market. So a lot of buyers are stuck looking at stuff that's not that updated, but then they're thinking to themselves, what the hell do I do? once I'm buying this home that needs a new kitchen, needs new floors. So uh, the reality is a lot of people are stuck buying homes that need some work, but are fearful of it. So I'm going to pitch it over to Grace and say, um, you know, when you're looking at properties like that, what, what are you looking for as far as valuation? Are you working with somebody on the front end to think, you know, the value is this much and then you need you know, to budget for this much and then you do a CMA for it after it's all done? How do you approach a home with a buyer especially one that's newer, um, that actually needs work. So I first started noting, noticing that this was going to be 
something that would become more and more prevalent when we started taking buyers out and we're seeing so many multiple offers. And like just so long as a condo or a home was pretty well updated, it seemed that they were just fielding offers left and right versus the place down the street that just needed maybe to have the cabinets painted or a new backsplash or something. It would be sitting for a little bit longer. So I started having conversations with my clients about like, okay, well, you could go in and try to win this bidding war, or why don't we take a look at this property down the street and try to price out some options with you, get some contractors over there and let's see what we're looking at. Because by and large, you know, I think that you risk overpaying when you're going Heck in. yeah. Right? Don't you think? I, you know, I'm always a big fan of wherever the cattle goes, go the opposite way. Because wherever everyone's running, you should be worried that you're going to, you know, there's this exuberance of spending to get that one property that's completely finished. But you know what? They know, the people that finish it also know that they're going to get top dollar. That's why they took the effort to do everything. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just do this? Right. And it's really not as expensive as people think. Like, I remember in our very first place when we slowly started changing things, like to put backsplash in, all in it was like 500 bucks to change. And that changes the whole face of a kitchen, right? Right. You don't need to change all the cabinets out. You can just do the doors. Maybe you put some new doors on and you get somebody out to come and spray them. Mm-hmm. So much cheaper than sure. doing an all new cabinet set. Even hardware. I sometimes, you know, you see just the hardware is kind of old looking. Changing out the Outdated, hardware is yeah. simple. Right. Simple stuff to really kind of spruce up right, a kitchen yeah. or a bath. Right. But then, sorry, I got sidetracked. To get back to your question about, like, how do you identify value? I think there's a couple of different ways, right? You find, like, the worst house on the block in a great location. Or in some cases, for example, uh, my husband and I just bought a three-bedroom. It was the least expensive three-bedroom, and it was a total POS. But Dump? Yeah. I got you. <laughs> Wait, I got what does you. that mean? Um, it was a garbage place. <laughs> um, so needed a lot of work, but it had three bedrooms. It's a lot of potential. Space is something that you can't modify, right? So you, you just need that to work with. Um, so you go with those things that have something that you can't change and yeah. figure out what you can. And Yeah. So just basically what you're saying and you're advising our listeners is to identify value. So as long as there's good bones in the property, great floor plan, a lot of square footage, you can be in this building that, you know, maybe use that remodel property as a model or as a, you know, like a benchmark of what you want your place to look. Right. Um, because that's what, you know, once you rehab it or you make those, those modifications, then your property is going to be worth just as much as that one. Exactly. Yeah. And you can, so I always tell people, you cannot change the location, you can't change the size for the most part maybe if you got a house you can pop the top go bigger put an addition on especially in condos you just cannot add size unless Mm -hmm. you buy your neighbor's unit knock down a wall some hoas don't even allow that but location and size matter so much you can change a kitchen you can change bathrooms you can change flooring all that stuff over time you can change but you're right size like you guys looked you wanted a three bedroom it was big and you're like okay now i can start doing things step by step by step which i think is is really really important Right. So, but uh, let's go back into identifying after repair value. How do we stay within that margin so that we don't overspend on a property? I think you've really got to know your market, right? So, uh, the answer is work with a realtor that understands that market. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's, I mean, I, I hate to do like shameless plugs because we're all realtors. But it's but not because we just want to let people understand that that's what we do for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you, you can't find something that 
needs that has a potential to make you some money if you don't know your neighborhood, if you don't know the area, and if you don't know what's the average price per square foot in that area. Most buyers don't. They need realtor professional help. So Right. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, do you ever, let's say you're doing a place, you're three bedroom. Do you ever bring in a contractor and talk to a contractor about, hey, how much is this going to cost? Or have you gotten really good at knowing, hey, kitchen is this much, bath is this much, flooring? Oh, absolutely. Much? I bring a contractor in. Like, I'll have an idea of, like, where I think it will be, mm-hmm. but... It's good to have a budget going in. Contractors find things that sometimes our eyes don't necessarily see. Like that could be a plumbing problem over there. That could be, you know, there's certain things that, I mean, I'm good at an idea of how big a kitchen is and how much a kitchen typically is going to cost. But then they come in and they just find stuff that yeah, I didn't. Well, and I yeah. think being really accurate kind of <laughs> helps you figure out how much you can improve and how much budget you have to improve. I know when I did my place, I am way over what I originally in my head thought I was going to spend because the contractor came in and he's like, yeah, well, you can do this, you can do that. And then I found some stuff that you know I hadn't seen with my eyes. And I'm a, I have a pretty trained eye, but I definitely brought in a contractor just to be like, hey, you got to do A, B, C, and D. Um, are you seeing anything um, that developers are doing that uh, you'd like to see more of? So, yes. And that kind of reminds me of what you were talking about a little bit just now because I feel like we're in a place where especially when we get into the higher price points like the 1 million plus a lot of these new construction homes are starting to look really similar um and when we talk about budget there are some things that i feel like maybe you'll feel like it breaks the bank but if it gives your place a unique vibe i think it might be worth it i'd like to see developers start doing certain features in a home that sets them apart because when i'm taking my clients through for example to have them see all these different homes they blend together a lot are you guys finding that too completely agree and i think that a lot of people are just missing the boat right because they they're not seeing what buyers are looking for and so we're talking about multiple you know bidding wars there's properties who are not available and we're trying to invite you encourage you to look at that property that may not necessarily have all the wow factors and and even new construction may not have all the wow factor because they're all like cookie cutters right right um I mean, we've talked to a lot of developers that come on our show or people who are flipping properties and they're looking at this one specific house and they're custom building it or custom building it out to look just like the other one because they have a a plan, they have a formula that works, uh, they know how much materials it's going to take to uh, build it out in that same format. So what we're doing and telling, encouraging you as a buyer is to go outside that mold and create something, custom build something for yourself without breaking the, you know, breaking the bank. Right. Um, But you're saying that you bring a contractor, right? That's another flexibility that you have with a property that may not necessarily be the shiny penny on the block, right? Because if you're working with a professional realtor, that realtor is going to go and it's going to stage that property. They're going to paint that property. Um, they're going to make it look wow, right? So you're going to have multiple bidding wars because we underpriced it or whatever it is that we did. But then the next door neighbor's home that maybe didn't have the realtor who went above and beyond to list that property um, and maybe still has the carpets and still has that ugly kitchen, um, you bring them in. And at that time, you do have the flexibility to give yourself more time to bring in a contractor to say, okay, this is what it's going to look like if you paint the cabinets. This is what's going to look like if you change the actual hardware on the cabinets, right? right? Um, and even in that million dollar price point, you, you want to you want to get away from the cookie cutters and really custom build something. So I think it's a great option. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and Something really easy to do is to focus in and zero in on a specific part of a property and really determine, okay, where's a feature that I can 
change and make stand out and make it a little bit unique, right? Maybe you do, um, maybe you want a fireplace that looks like it's entirely marble. Well, you can swap out porcelain instead. It's a lot more cost effective, and you can have this great feature. And piece. it looks just like it. And it looks just like it. Yeah. And it's beautiful, and it's something that might set it apart from another place, you know. Or you can go in the bathtub and do a number of different features or custom tubs and maybe you spend a little more money there and you save in some other places but it makes it unique i should have had grace come to my place because i way overspent on everything but not everybody has your budget no i I, I, trust me you're saying that but i didn't and you know that's why like i've done almost everything except my master bath on the first floor and now i've saved to do my master bath um but i was like i'm not going to do cookie cutter i'm not going to do it i ended up with dark floors gray walls white kitchen white backsplash so i went as cookie cutter as i could get because i just kept going on and on and on and i was like all right that looks good and i went cookie cutter but yeah i think having oh i'm hearing the I'm here in the car now? again. There it is. He did it to me. He, he always waits what? until mid-sentence. So that's he the, just hit the button. I didn't hit the button. button. I, I, that is not me, dude. I don't have a nitro button. So the um, but I get the to that vroom vroom that you just heard. Yeah. The what? A nitro. The vroom vroom. Vroom vroom. <laughs> Means a nitro question is coming. I didn't explain to her what a nitro question is. So that we, we're not supposed to. I just want that. We're sound supposed to, to just drop it in daily life. We, we, oh, that's what I walk <laughs> in every so room excited. with. I have it in my pocket of <laughs> my iPhone. I walk in, <laughs> vroom, vroom, vroom. and then it's like she's gonna change her last name. You have an aura. Like here comes Miss Cage. Oh my gosh, I love it. The nitro question. It's a question we give our guests. Um, we surprise them with it, and oh, hence, you are surprised. The Nitro Question today is, spo- is brought to you and sponsored by Tamika Scott Reed from Money Matters Financial Peace. It is that time of year. Get in there, do your taxes, get Uncle Sam to pay you back some of the money he took along the way. Um, today's question: He does, I, I, he, he he does money back. He, well, he does to some people. <laughs> yeah, I, don't care. I have yet back. to witness this since I was like <laughs> working at a car dealership as a porter. But okay. Um, anyways. The nitro, the nitro question today for you is, hmm. speaking of POSs, <laughs> we want to know what was, share with us a story, what was the absolute um, roughest piece of coal you've ever had to deal with uh, in some type of, um, uh, well, give us a happy ending, you, something that you thought was an absolute disaster. And somehow, when it was all of a sudden, somebody bought it, went all in, and you're like, I don't know if I would do this. And then it, it turned out to be everything you're saying today. Mm-hmm. Don't need to answer right now. Because we also want people to kind of just string along and hear this out. So Okay, so you want me to think, think about, about it? Think about it, let it marinate, give us a story. You know, if you want to you know, run with that a little bit and just tell us a funny story, go ahead. But we want to kind of have like the epitome of stories that come off the top of your head with uh, one of your POSs, as you would okay. say. The, My happy story I'll have to think about, the okay. happy ending. Just, but I do all right, we'll I will on. tell you <laughs> I will tell you that there was <laughs> no, no, no. We're gonna get it later. Okay. We're gonna get okay, it later. You can hold on to it. So we can go forward. Go ahead. So when you are doing these renovations, is there areas of the home that you think save some money and areas of the home where you're like splurge, spend some money? Oh yeah, for sure. I think um the area to splurge is going to be the kitchen. I think in any property, yes, that's, that. <laughs> that's where you spend your money. Like if I'm going to buy something spectacular, it's going to be because the entertaining space is pretty amazing. Um, that and the master bath. I think when you're looking at saving versus splurging, there are features that people know really well that they're nice, right? Like if you're looking at uh, growy fixtures or... Um, nicer appliances wolf viking thermidor things like that if you can splurge there i think that's great now things like vanities 
um, lighting fixtures. You don't really notice those as much. You don't know where they're from. It's harder to determine value when you're taking somebody through it when you go to sell it. I think you should probably save there. What do you think? With the lighting, you said? I think so. What are your thoughts? Yeah, don't go to Restoration Hardware and buy all of your lights because you're going to go way over budget. But, but it it's so beautiful. Though, right? because it is beautiful. Well, there goes our sponsorship from Restoration <laughs> Hardware. <laughs> don't worry. I spent some money there, so right. bring them back in. No, I agree. I think kitchen, obviously, is the absolute big one. A, it's a wow factor. B, people hang out in their kitchens. I spend most of my time in my kitchen, and it connects to my living room, but most of my time spent just hanging out in my kitchen. So I think kitchen's the big one, and like you said... Um, they're defining factors in the kitchen, like the really nice appliances. People notice that. But yeah, nobody knows where my vanity's from. Nobody knows where most of my lights are from. Right. I point out that some of my lights are from Restoration Hardware, but they would have no idea where they came from if I didn't point them out. I have mine flown in from the south. <laughs> There's actually a place in Lincoln Park, if you're a realtor, uh, I think it's called Horton's Lighting. And they have a- I've been there. Yeah, they have great deals. And if you're in there and you're a realtor, they do give you a kind of like a builder type discount. So don't go in there and just buy it. Let them know. And now Horton owes us a check. (laughs) Yeah. So plugging them. So you can um, you can go there. Great lighting too. And it's probably half the cost of restoration hardware. So I tell all of my clients shop it around. But you can find a light fixture that looks just like the one that you found somewhere that's expensive. Right. Even on like Overstock and Wayfair and and those kind of websites, if you're really trying to save, you can find some pretty good. Right. You can get lighting Uh, and stuff from that. I just want to point out, though, like let's be let's be strategic when we're advising our clients or listeners to, you know, splurge. Right. Because if you're buying something, remember, this is completely different from flipping properties or buying so you can resell it. We're advising you to buy something that it's not going to be in a bidding war that you can just be you could just customize for yourself but when it comes to overspending I mean I I, I front upon that right because eventually you're going to want to resell this um, and of course you're going to use it for your own so you're going to enjoy your little you know $800 life fixture fan I'm not going to say who <coughs> bought one that cost that much but you know if you're going to splurge in that kind of, it, you know that it's just for your own sake you know, sometimes when you're selling a property, I hate it when people say, but excluding the dining room light fixture, <laughs> excluding right? the, right? you know, it's like it's excluding so annoying. the sink. <laughs> you can't exclude the, bridge, the sink. The microwave. <laughs> The windows, like, dude, just stop. Sell yeah. House or not. yeah. And sometimes, yeah. you know, like the big ticket items, if you're in, a, in an association where, you know, the windows have to be a certain kind, right, then you're spending like $6,000 on three windows when you realize, oh, wait, so I need to allocate a budget for things that matter, and then I can go low cost on some of the things that, you know, maybe lighting fixtures from Wayfair, Overstock, or whatever, um, not lightology or, you know, but I think it's important to understand the after repair market value. What is the fair market value for this property after I improve it or I add my improvements. So if you're in an average buying a property, a single family in some of these neighborhoods where a $350,000 home um, is going to require you know, a new bathroom, a new kitchen, maybe you only have a $70,000 budget for rehab. Yeah, you got to be you know, strategic. So if you're doing a million dollar home, you better believe you're doing the wolf and you're doing you know, a third sure. and stuff. Yeah. And you know, if you're not in that sort of budget and the budget calls for KitchenAid or you know, whatever else you're putting in there. But or the truth LG. of the matter is that your multi-million dollar homes are not flying off the market. We're talking about that average price point of single families where properties are flying off the market and you need to create inventory for yourself and maybe look at something that may not be a shiny penny. I think it also depends on if you're buying it to hold it for a long period of time or you're buying to flip it. Because, you know, we don't know the market five, six, seven years from now. So, like, I know unless something happens and I win the lottery or something bad happens and I don't have a job anymore, um, 
I'm going to live in my house for the next 10, 15 years. So I over-improved a little bit, but for my own sake. But I always tell people, if you're buying to then sell it relatively soon, I think I think we were, you and I were talking about this a couple days ago or yesterday, totally different conversation because you got to make sure that you're not improving it so much that you can't then sell it. So when you're doing that and you're flipping, do you control that any differently, The what you're putting in? I would, yeah. Well, it's a very different thing when you're flipping it, how you're saying, flipping it or doing it to live in. Um, and... To Carla's point, it's very easy to start throwing good money after bad. Like, if you're not careful, all of a sudden you want to improve this and you want to improve that, and you've gone too far. But the people who are really going to help you to determine your budget and what you should be spending and whether or not this appliance is a good investment, it's probably going to be your realtor. I mean, if you need a professional opinion, you should call your realtor because they'll tell you, look, you're in this price point. You're you're probably looking to sell, let's say, in the mid-fives or the mid-sixes. You should be putting in a certain appliance for your market. You know, you don't need to be putting Wolf into a $500,000 condo. You're just not going to get that money back. No, and you shouldn't be using, like, the clearance section of Home Depot on a million-dollar property exactly. either because it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you got to know your, um, like Carla said, your after um, renovation value or you're ready to sell. Like I, I, I call it doing a CMA at the beginning and doing a CMA for when it's done, and then you're going to know what that spread is. And that's where the contractor kind of comes in and says, hey, guys, this is what it's going to cost and but for, let's say, appliances. And then you know how much leeway you have. And for me, what I would do is then start picking off the stuff that I want to do within that budget. So if I know the total renovation is going to be 70 grand, but I only have 30 and the kitchen's 20, I might say, well, I'm going to do the kitchen first and then slowly I'll do the rest of it. Um, and if you're flipping and you don't have the budget, that's uh, Nick, you and I can kind of touch on that a little bit too. You can get into strategic lending. Yep. You know, you can take out uh, a 203k loan, you know, you can put low down payment options in. So, you know, if you got 40,000 bucks and you want to keep some of that in your pocket to do renovations, right. we'll do the minimum uh, amount of money down, get as big of a credit back at closing as you can. Yeah. So your but monthly t- payment's a little higher. And then once you're done with the work, refinance out of that loan. Right. I mean, you can't really do a flip on a 203k. No, loan, flip you but, can't. This um, is if you're going to do the refine hold. You know, there's always, someone's always looking to make money. So you could always, we did a whole show a couple weeks ago about. Raising money if you need to. If it's a flip, you could always bring in a partner. Um, yeah. You could always go to crowdfunding. There's a lot of different avenues to to dig that up. You know, so yeah, flipping cash or you know a hard money loan are typically the two ways you're going right. to do it. Flipping, you can do twenty twenty five percent down, twenty percent down. Some lenders will do it, but yeah. most of the time you're doing cash. Yeah. But I with my first time home buyers a lot. You know, they have their down payment amount, and then they don't have the money to do any renovation. So I'll tell them, hey, listen, let's minimize the amount of money you're bringing to close. Let's get you a five percent, or if it's an FHA approvable property, three and a half percent down. Let's reduce your cost with credits back at closing. Keep your cash in pocket. Do the renovations, then refinance out of that loan and keep the house. So, you know, as much money as you can keep in your pocket if you got to do renovations as possible is yeah. kind of my goal with those buyers. Yeah, and we get people coming in for more of a long-term deal. I mean, they're they're taking the advice that you specifically gave about not going after the shiny penny in the bidding war and going the opposite way and just putting some of your own personal TLC and touch on uh, your family's touch on this property. And, you know, sometimes I get clients coming in, they want to put down 20% on a $400,000 home. I'm like, that's great. Uh, they're like, it needs a little work. And so, you know, got to figure out how we do that later. I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How are you going to do it later? Uh, do you want to move in the way it is now? Oh, no. I'm like, well, we need to figure that out now. Maybe we have to forget the 20%. 
do you can do five or you can do three, as I said, and we have this. We can always refinance it later. When you make the improvements, usually the house goes up significantly in value. So we'll be able to refinance six months down the road. We have a whole new price point because you bought it low instead of going into a bidding war. It's coming out much higher because you made some nice improvements. I know you wish you would have put the money down, and maybe that meant you had to deal with, do a second mortgage or mortgage insurance even in some cases. Um, but we can always get out of that in six months. Sure. And so, it's yeah. so much easier to do it yeah. off the bat, right? Like a lot of people say, oh, we'll do it later after we've moved in. But how no, hard is it to refinish floors after your furniture is You know what it there? is? You, you should do it right out of the bat, right off the bat because anytime you move in, even if you th- a place is actually finished, there's things going on. You know, it's like, where are we going to put this? We need another rack over here. I mean, sometimes even in a brand new place, you add a shelf. You add, you, you just go in with a mindset to make it home. You know, so I, I recommend people to, if you can, if you can afford to do it, do it right out of the gate. Don't say I'm going to yeah. fix that later because then it, it, it just gets worse. At least do the stuff like you just touched on finishing floors. That is a pain in the back end oh, it's if the you worst. moved in. Because yeah. you got to move you gonna put everything? You have to move yeah. out and move no. your crap Well, you got to sand the floors and there's dust everywhere. So you got to clean in the air dock. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge People hassle. like Carla come over with their shoes on and mess up your stain. And, you know, I mean, not, it's never stain. happened to me. <laughs> never happened to me, but I've heard about it. Let's say somebody doesn't have the budget, though. They're going to move in. They can do limited things. So let's say you're a person who wants to buy one of these homes and it needs some work. Let's say you can finish the floors because that's a big one. If you can't finish the floors and you got to move back out and move back in, that's a pain in the butt. But let's say you have enough money to finish floors and refinishing floors, if you're not tearing them out and putting new ones in, it's about two bucks a square foot. It's not that expensive. Once they've moved in, what's some budget-friendly things to do to make the home nicer, maybe their own home? Is there any budget-friendly tips that you have? I always think paint is going to make a big difference. I'm sure everybody feels that way. Um, I think trim is really nice if you put some good baseboards some crown if it's right now light gray is still very popular so when you do that with a you know white finish on your trim it pops what still yeah i have like like we've been in light gray era for like a decade forever yeah who said that i have a couple shades of gray in my house you are a bunch of shades of gray i have 50 swatches of different grays that i've 50 shades of gray i just have to carry them around all right we got that covered um, something I wanted wanted to mention, though, if we're talking about like tips on saving money, I just ran into this with one of my clients the other day. They wanted to paint their cabinets, and I recommended a few different guys that I work with, and they told me the prices. And I said, "Well, did you, you know, haggle them a little bit on their price?" And they said, "No, no, we didn't know we could do that." It's very important. Most of these vendors really will work with you a little bit on price if you can afford to pay them cash. You're going to get an even better deal. Um, Try to get a price out of them in the very beginning. Um, I really like to recommend that people don't allow them to say, well, we're going to do it hourly, and then whatever it comes out to, this is our hourly rate, because we don't know how long that that could stretch on. You really want to get that number up front so that you know what your budget's looking like. A crazy man once said in real estate, you always need to negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. That crazy man is now president of the United States. Oh. I was like, who's the crazy man? Were you talking about yourself? I was just waiting for that, that crazy man is, his, is sitting right in front of you. It was a famous you. quote from him like back when he was like a little bit younger, much younger. But that was like his big thing. Hey, Negotiate. A, Everything in real estate is negotiable. Mm-hmm. Love Everything. him or hate him, he's a real estate mogul. No, he's, he's yeah. Knows what you he's can't take that away from him. No. I mean, I'll negotiate a $5 foot long if I have to. <laughs> Why not? There's what's the worst that can happen? these days. You see, know that not for me. Not for me. No, but see, what's the worst that can happen? You get a no. 
right. you move on, you find someone else that'll do it cheaper. That's all. And I know, and I like that we're giving these this advice to buyers, right, uh, to customize your property so you can get some instant equity per se on in the property. But if you're a seller, just listen to what we're saying to you. Yes. You know, because usually when I come in and do a listing presentation, I always say, okay, this is your value as is, and this is your value if you made the the following improvements. What we're going to do is we're going to bring in three contractors to give us three price points um, so that we can hire the best company that we feel it's more of a fit with our personalities and also within our budget. Because imagine how much money you're leaving on the table by not making these improvements. Sometimes you just have investors or buyers who don't have the time to do this much work, right? Because they have work, they have families, they're relocating, or maybe they're traveling back and forth for work. Two people are working. No one has time to oversee the, the rehab. And sometimes it can get really tedious. And when you think it's only going to be four months, it's six months or nine months of rehab work, right? But so as a seller, I think it's great advice for you to, um, you're giving us today here, uh, Grace, to just, you know, pull out the light gray, make 40 more grand. (laughs) Exactly. No, I'm serious. Crown molding, painting the cabinets. It's cheap stuff. It's cheap stuff that raises the value really fast. Mm -hmm. The easy stuff, too. Listen, I had a property that I listed on a main street, and it's a single family. So we all know moms don't like to live on a single family, uh, on a main street because it's busy, kids run out. So, and it was an existing home, and it was a three bedroom ranch. Very typical, you know, design here in Chicago. And it, seriously, the neighbor's property sat on the market for 90 days. Mine was under contract in five days. And my clients hated me. They hated me because they had to paint the cabinets. And they're like, are you sure about this? I'm like, trust me. I'm very sure about this. And something as little as that, seriously, and of course my metaphor tours, um, but something as little as painting goes a long way for buyers who are just busy or even buyers who have a small budget and they just want something, you know, want they, they want the kitchen of their dreams. Um, they went in there and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is great. We don't have to do anything to it. And we're like, okay, you don't. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. I mean, all this advice, how you're saying we're giving it to buyers, but from a seller's perspective, why why don't you make that money? You know, don't allow a buyer to come through and take advantage of a home that you already own that if you just put a little bit of money into, you can sell it and then make that much more. Right, because in the flip side, I mean, while it may cost, you know, like it may be, may, you know, like sometimes there's like, sellers forget to paint the ceilings because they had maybe at some point water damage and so as a buyer's agent I'm looking at it I'm like oh wait what it was that water was that like leakage from you know plumbing was that leakage from your roof and so I'm already thinking calculating okay $8,000 roof you know like oh 3000 because that's what your buyer is going to think oh we're going to ask for a $3,000 credit when it's like ah uh, no it's like $300 for labor to come in and paint and patch and you know, why leave it that way? Anything that's like outwardly defective, sellers definitely fix that. Like, stands and Mo on the looks roof, at me I like kind of crazy because he knows I've called him for that. I'm like, Mo, I'm going to want $3,000 credit for that. <laughs> for the stain. <laughs> but it's it's what everybody's going to do. I do it when I walk in and I see a stain on the ceiling. I'm like, huh, where did that come from? Is there a bathroom above it? If it's, you know, underneath the roof, like, oh, my mind goes there too. Um, but um, yeah, if it's glaringly an issue, Fix it, sellers. Don't leave it out there. If it's painting the roof or if your baseboards have pulled apart, put new ones in. If there's a hole in a door because your son's an angry person, fix that. <laughs> you know, like I've walked oh, into wow. a couple of those. Experience with that? I've, I've walked into a couple of those where like some idiot punched holes in the walls and they're like, hey, we want to list the house. Do we got to fix this? Yeah, you got to fix it. Because the next person who buys it doesn't want the hole in the wall. Fix it. Right. There's blood on your wall. You yeah. must get rid of it. Speaking of... Strange situation. Well, actually, let her answer the we next question. The blood on the wall. I had a strange uh, flip that I toured that had blood on a wall, and I'll let her answer first, and then I'll jump to my strange. Well, we get a two for one today. We get a two for one today. So back to your question. Back to your nitro question. 
one of the biggest POSs you've ever had to deal with and how to turn out. So something the me- one of your most memorable ones. So we this was probably like 6 years ago. I was looking with a client we were trying to find um, single family homes out in the suburb that he could flip probably would take him a year or so um, and we were exchanging crazy stories about things that he had found and one of the mm. things that he had seen was a dead raccoon in the basement of this place that he was looking and I'm sitting thinking like of all the properties I've seen I've never had that happen and as I'm saying it I'm walking into the basement and I step down and there's like six inches of water and I'm in brand new shoes like a nice suit disgusting like basement I don't even know what it was from but the bones of this house besides that looked pretty good so ended up working out as a deal flipped it had a completely dry basement spent a lot of time working it and the house is gorgeous now it's out in the dead raccoon gone dead raccoon is yeah that was actually a different place but the house with all the water in it the water is now gone it's totally dry the shoes the shoes are the shoes are gone the shoes are done with Uh, there you have it you had one where bring me to the crime scene we had uh, a crazy (laughs) property manager that we found out had two three different like two to four unit properties so me lawrence thankfully because i feel safer going places with him and one (laughs) of our contractors went looking at these properties so we go in this like three unit and he's like hey i had to chase away some people that were just hanging out here they were doing oh. drugs in here. I had to chase them out. So let's hope they're not in here. And I'm like, the hell do you mean let's hope they're not in here? There's a bunch of cracked out people in here. So we start going through this property and we're stepping through a bunch of crap. And like the wall has like, it's got a bunch of stains on it. And I like kind of peek in and the guy's like, and the property manager's kind of nuts. And he's like, what do you think that is? And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Let's just get the heck out of here. He goes, blood tracks from when they were doing when they were oh shooting up it splashed all over the Ew, wall and they ran terrible. out I'm like oh I was like what are you kidding me I was like I'm getting the hell out of here I go even if this is a perfect flip I'm never coming in here I looked at <laughs> Ryan who was doing the GC work and he's like this is bad so That's it was disgusting. that was the worst thing I've ever been in and I just kept looking behind me to make sure that no crazy <laughs> drugged out people were jumping on that no I didn't feel safe oh, no. I was like close to Lawrence. I was like, if someone's going to attack me, I'm going to be next to that guy. I would be so horrified. I I was pretty horrified. (laughs) You want to make some money, but geez, don't risk your life. No, no, no. I was never going to go back in that place, but that was my worst one. It was bad. Do you have one over there since you came up with this ridiculous question? I always come up with the ridiculous questions. That's what I do. I don't have to answer them. I just come up with them. (laughs) Move it along, Carla. Move it along. Move it along. along, You want me to move it along? So, if you had a a big tip to give somebody who's out there searching right now or a tip or two um, and they come across a property that needs a little bit of work but it's in the right area right size what's what's your advice to them make it as clean as possible you know you want to neutralize it as much as you can and i i understand that at the end of the day there for some people it's just going to be impossible to do some of the tips like just budget wise it's not going to work um so declutter your house take pictures off the walls remove the nail holes patch those up and paint over them people i feel like in our day-to-day lives we're so busy and our houses get messy right like our cars get messy people have lives and it just never looks the way that you should so when you're shopping for a new home you're imagining this great life that you're going to have where your house is never going to be messy and it's always going to be clean try to project that when you're selling your house try to make it look as nice as possible get somebody in there at least to caulk the tub and have it look nice and clean and inviting these are really small things you can do if you don't have the budget to do you know backsplash and new countertops and things like that 
Great advice. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's truly, so people forget to do that, even painting the closets, right? Because it's all dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes a big difference because, again, buyers want to envision themselves in the space. Um, great, great information, you guys. Seriously, if you are working with a small budget and you're shopping around and you're just saying, um, you know, I can't afford these homes. I keep getting into these multiple bidding wars. I know earlier on the show you mentioned, Mo, um, about buying a house that maybe not doesn't need a whole tear-off, you know, like, um, so I'm working with this buyer, and there was a two-bedroom home, and they currently don't have children, but eventually they, they want to move into that lifestyle, right? So I said, you know, why don't you just keep buy the two-bedroom house that eventually, because it is a it's, it is a wrench, you can go up and add an addition or even a bungalow-style home. In the back, you can always build out an addition. And so these are easy, you know, properties where you can just build up or build behind. Um, and then eventually you hold on to it at this point. And then later, you know, as you grow, as you, you know, save more money, you can do those things. And as you, you build equity over time, I think we've forgotten about the equity over time concept. Concept. I think everybody now nowadays is looking for instant gratification. Would you agree? In everything, really. But yeah, listen, if you're planning on staying put for a little while, and you can get in and do the stuff like hardwood floors and do a couple things that just get you in the place. Um, over time, the more you do, you're going to build equity. I always tell people, at least if you're going to do $20,000 worth of work, try to get $20,000 worth of equity you know, back in the home. And the longer you live in a place, you're obviously paying off more principal, less interest. So um, yeah, you know, being a homeowner in general, you're building equity as it goes, but keep improving your home. Me, I had a budget that was a decent budget, but I couldn't even finish my own, my entire house. So I'm doing most of my first floor between last year and this year. And then I'm going to go into my basement, do my basement, do the exterior. You can do stuff in pieces. You don't have to do everything at one, at one time. Right. Over time. It makes sense more over time. Yeah, Completely for sure. agree. Great information, you guys. I think it, it's really relevant. You know, like now as we're going into the spring market and it's going to be crazier out there. I mean, I've today was one of those weird days but you know, we're all racing to get here. We're all racing because we have more appointments all the way to 10 o'clock at night. Um, it's, it is what it 10? is. 10? You got them until yeah. 10 tonight? Yeah, it's Whoa. crazy. <laughs> I got a 7.15 and I had to beg for that showing because they actually, they have, and this is a perfect example. The place is renovated. They bought it in crappy shape. The person who's the seller did some work and there's four offers on it and they weren't going to let any more showings and my clients really want to see it and I was like, don't accept anything. I'm begging you, let me come see this place. My clients want it. So i Badgered yeah, them all day. Yeah, you're begging people mm-hmm. to let I you badgered in. Badgered them to let me in, so I'm actually going to go see it. But it's exactly what we're talking about. It's been dolled up by the seller a little bit, and everybody's jumping on it. Um, and I think when it was not dolled up, it was on the market for a long time. Right, right. It just yeah. it just makes sense because I even I had a listing too that I had take out. I t- tempt off the market, and I said I had asked my client to paint it, and then we did a price adjustment, and all of a sudden we have <clears> all these people wanting to show it. But it, that's the kind of market that we're living in, and here on Market Overdrive, we're sharing information with you that you should really pay attention to because you're going to get discouraged when you're trying to find that property that doesn't look the way you want it to look. But just bring in your contractor, and again, and I know you, Grace, you were trying to be humble about it, but I completely agree with. You know, hiring somebody that understands the business. This is where we go back with rookies versus somebody who lived in the business um, with your family and has been in it for a long time. But someone who's actually been involved in rehabbing properties, right? Because it's a different perspective. I can go inside a house and I can say, well, if you modify this wall, if you remove this wall, it may not be, you know, it's going to cost you more because now you're going to fix and repair flooring. Um, but what if, you, what if you just like turn this room into X and then use it differently? You know, we're able to go into a 
space and give you ideas as to how to rehab it and modify it so that eventually it can look like the home of your dreams. But right. then don't overspend or pay a premium when you're dealing with these bidding wars. How about instead saving that money you would spend on a premium for uh, overbidding on a property and investing it into that new kitchen that you want or that new bathroom that you want or maybe finishing up that landscaping outside. Things that people forget over time, right? Yeah, you got to hire a good realtor. And she is being humble. She's just generally nice and humble. So <laughs> she's being humble. But yeah, you got to hire a good realtor if you're going in and you're doing this stuff. If you're buying anything, it doesn't matter if you're renovating, not well, renovating, you got to hire a good realtor. And it's even just the contacts. Like your realtor has been through this. They've been doing this for years. So they've developed a whole Rolodex of people who they know do really good work or they know that they can get you the best price from. And that in itself is going to save you money. That's a wrap. We got to turn this thing in. I think we got a lot of great information. Obviously, if you want to catch this show another time, you can uh, you can get it on our podcast uh, at Market Overdrive on iTunes. You can also go to WGN. Um, I'm sorry, you can go to MarketOverdrive.com or catch us at Facebook forward slash Market Overdrive. Of course, we are on Twitter at Market Overdrive, and you can find um, all our shows cataloged. Nice cleaned up, deleting all the swear words that Mo puts out there on YouTube as well. With that being said, I want to thank our guest, Grace. Thank you for coming in. Oh, thank you for Giving having me. Giving everybody some tips and tricks on how to improve a property and sell it for max money or what to look into if you're out there buying a property even to just to live in. Uh, and remember, gray is still cool. Gray is still gray cool. Is and still she's cool. got 50 shades of 50 gray, shades of in, gray her, in her pocket, in her pocket which is somewhere. frightening. For now. I'll be excited when it changes, but <laughs> until then, if anyone needs it, I got it. We want to thank our sponsors because without them, the show doesn't go on. Mike Randick and Carmen Carbonara of Stewart Title. Tamika Scott with Money Matters Financial Peace. Denise Edenhofer with Fidelity National Home Warranty. Joanna Diaz of Credit RX Inc. And, of course, Lisa Lucino with Allstate Insurance. We will see you all next week at 5.30 on Thursday. Thank you for hanging out. Don't forget to share our our information. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. See you next week.